This Wellness Coach Podcast is brought to you by our brand new Facebook group called The Wellness Couch Tribe. Come join us and chat about any episode at any time. Keep up to date with all our events and connect with a like-minded group of wellness enthusiasts. To join The Wellness Couch Tribe, simply search for The Wellness Couch Tribe on Facebook. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you for the 310th time with the great man, Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. G'day, legend. So great to be chatting about this subject again. It's, uh, it's big news. It's not making the papers. It's not on the news. It's not on the project. It's not anywhere to be seen, but it's big news and people need to know this stuff. So if it's not on the project, it's not big news. Gee, the project would be tickled pink with that, wouldn't they? They've made it. If it's on the project, it's big. And if it's not, it's been swept well, under the carpet. <laughs> well, that's well, that's interesting is because I look at the project as sensationalism. Like I look at the project as, you know, yep. um, making mountains Fear-mongering, making people scared and putting comedians up on, you know, in a space, you know, to to talk about the news. And then you've got a couple of opinion, you know, peace journalists who, you know, kind of make themselves sound smart and look smart by wearing a suit. Um, but they're not. <laughs> Hello and, to all uh, of our friends at the project right now who are copying a caning from Damien John Christoph. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get stuck into more of them. I'd like to actually actually ask them some questions um, without them actually getting angry and, you know, blocking answers. That's what I'd like to be able to do. But they're interesting. But the reason why I raise that is because when little bits of news that could be contentious make the, um, the headlines, you kind of go, what's the motive behind that? It, particularly when... When there's news that's as big as this, that should be, you know, raising eyebrows and starting alarm bells in people's minds and hearts, never even makes the. No, I'll tell know, you. Like can the, I give you the the other end of the story? The the journalist slash producer end is that <laughs> our conversation copy. has and will end up being a forty minute conversation, and TV producers and even those hosts looking at this are going, uh, they can't even sensationalise it in in two minutes. It. it it needs, or three minutes. It needs if it's more of a Sunday night or a sixty minutes story than the project. You know, a ten to fifteen minute piece where you can actually get the key people involved. You could bring on if you're going to keep people accountable. You get people on from the PSA, the person that wrote the report, some of the big farmer executives to see their views on it. Maybe someone from government, and then you'd get one of the real life stories like Derek Screen. Or you know, one of the the you know people of the public that have been affected by this um, adverse you know uh, uh, medication interactions, and then you know give a holistic view to the story. But you're right. I mean, the project is only going to give one view because that's that's the platform they've only, they've created the show on. There's never two views, and don't they just shut down the second view anyway? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's exactly right. But. My point is, and, and it probably stems from this, is that this problem has become so bad that it's such a big piece that it can't be picked up because our news is now sensationalism. Exactly. You're right. You're sense. 100% spot on. That's so, why I say it's buried in the back end of a digital it's newspaper. It's so big. It's so big. This isn't a little problem. This is a huge problem. It's massive. And people might think that this news, because it doesn't actually make the news, 
is not that important, but it is so important. It, yeah. It's it's ridiculously important. And uh, and we finished off the last episode, you know, probably only one third of the way through all of the data. And and in terms of the executive summary uh, related to the PSA report, um, medicine safety, um, take care. So it's um it's important. So I just want to you know pick up where we left off. Can we just, just do a, Can I do a quick rehash stuff? just for people that are joining? We yeah, say sure. go back and listen. But yeah. Damo shared this is from the uh, Pharmaceutical Society of Australia. Uh, what we shared in the previous episode, episode three hundred nine, is that a quarter of a million hospital admissions annually are a result of medication related problems that comes at a cost of $1.4 billion and that's taxpayer funded. And then on top of that quarter of a million, an extra 400,000 people present to emergency departments uh, as a result of medication related problems. And then the big key of that is that 50% of those stats are preventable. So you could actually cut $1.4 billion to $700 million and as Damo said, that number would be conservative. That's 50% is more likely to be higher. Um, and then we got discussing after hospital discharge where three in five discharge summaries where the pharmacist isn't involved in the preparation of the treatment plan has at least one medication error. Uh, and we were just, uh, you know, for want of a better term, we were, we were laughing, not because it's funny, we were laughing at just how um, ridiculous it is that there's a 60% chance that if you haven't had a pharmacist be present as part of your treatment plan that uh, you are on a medication that may not be suitable for you at that time. And that's just mm. for all the mm. money that we spend on health, which is really sickness, it is, uh, it's an absolute disgrace. Yeah. There's a few little, that's so true, it is a disgrace um, because it's the, it's the one thing in Australia that draws upon our resources so significantly. I'm not sure in terms of the priority of spending in Australia with the government. I should probably research this and have a look at it. But, I would say that in the top three uh, funding categories, um, drug drug care or sickness care, which has been coined healthcare in Australia, even though it's not, uh, sickness care would cost the government at least in the top three most amounts of money, for sure. I'm going to look whilst I, you're I'll, talking now. Okay, cool. So, I'll keep on going. So, there's a couple of little points in there. It says for one in five people, high risk of readmission. You know, they, these are kind of things that say, suggest that if a conversation took place in a timely manner, um, people are less likely to go back into hospital. So that's in 20% of the cases. What I found fascinating in the after-hospital discharge executive summary, it says that over 90% of patients have at least one medication-related problem post-discharge from hospital. So in other words, 9 out of 10 people who leave hospital with some kind of medication will have some kind of problem associated with the medication that have been prescribed not long after they leave hospital, wow. which is unbelievable. Like that's in terms of side effects um, or effects or however you want to look at it or errors, whatever it is, that's a very, very high number. And so it becomes increasingly more important. One, don't get into hospital. Two, try not to take drugs. And three, if you do, make sure you're having proper conversations. Yeah, I think so. That's this is what important. I find interesting is that. This is just 90% of patients and that should be connected back to that three in five hospital discharge where the pharmacist isn't involved. But this is of the, of the, of a, of a hundred people, let's just say, and, and, a, and a percentage of them haven't had a pharmacist involved in their treatment plan, but many of them have. But 90% across the board are having a medication related problem. 
post discharge. Even if and the pharmacist just, was involved, it, yeah. seen, it sounds like it sounds like roulette because these are trained professionals that ninety percent of the time. And I, I'm not putting it. I, I don't think it's wise that I put it on the professionals, but I'm going to say on the profession um, or the mode of delivery that ninety percent of the time people are receiving conflicted products. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It does or the wrong or the wrong product, yeah, or the wrong product. And even that's or not even if it's an that's, acute. That's not even if it's a chronic disease. I mean, I'm thinking when I had my shoulder done, and I'm on the different medications, and it's not even just for chronic. It can be chronic and acute. So for those people that are listening to this, going, I don't, I'm not on any medications. It's also if you break a leg whilst you're riding your bike, and you're on something after that, or you have an injury of some kind. It's not just for people that are chronically ill. This is it. That's a great point. That is a great point. Um, yeah, that is that is a great point. So thank you. That's three times. The thing you told I suppose that concerns me. Sorry, mate. That's okay. <laughs> no, I was just saying. You you said thank you. You said it's a great point three times. I was just saying thank you for thanking me three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is a great point, and I think I, I want people just to to just think about how important this information is. And I know we've said it over and over again, but this it is very important. When we get to what probably strikes the heartstrings for you and I, because we love people who are aging well, we love them, and we love exploring it, we love being with them, we love conversations with them, we love trying to understand it. Um, when we look at residential aged care, this is what brought a tear to my eye. And I had a conversation about this yesterday um, with um, Amber's uncle, so um, my uncle-in-law, and he's a lawyer. And his mum, so um, Amber's um, grandmother, um, Isabel, is in um, aged, residential aged care. And they take a series of drugs and they get their drugs dropped off. A little a lady walks around with it or a nurse walks around with a trolley, um, t- taps on the person's door and says, this is your drugs. And there's not one room missed. Every single room is handing out drugs to the residents. Like, yeah, I don't know what that means. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That's, anyway. That, that's a podcast for a whole other time. That's a where's our world got to. Why do you have to be on drugs? Yeah. I, I learned but, the other day that my grandfather was given sleeping tablets so that he would sleep longer and then not annoy the nurses through the night and waking up to go oh, to the bathroom. Dear. Imagine so if we did that to our kids. I mean, my kids wake up, no, actually, not, at, not at right now, but even just six months ago, you know, a child would wake up at least once a night. It was a whole the thing of parents giving their children Finergan to get them to go to sleep, you know? Well, and and not go to the toilet in the middle of the night. <laughs> That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, 98% of residents have at least one medication-related problem. Problem. That's not you. Let's just say that 100% of residents are on a medication and mm-hmm. only two of them mm-hmm. don't, don't have a problem with that medication. I suspect those two are the ones that... Have the tablets there? go in their mouth. Yeah. So the tablets go in their mouth. They put them under their tongue, and then they spit them out when the nurse leaves. I reckon that's what's going on there. <laughs> or they've only been in the. Or they've only been there for a week or two weeks, and yeah, uh, and you know haven't quite found out yet. Over so half it, are exposed. It gets, it gets, yeah, it gets really. You know, it's that's. I think that's a, a startling and shocking. You know, if we to call for a royal commission. Daniel Andrews, again, on another thing because you can't handle stuff. If, you, if you're calling for another Royal Commission, you want to be looking at a Royal Commission into aged care medication. Like you'd have to be looking at that and the way in which um, our elderly are actually cared for 
you know, in this state and country, uh, rather than targeting um, people that are doing a good job. Have a look at this. I know that these people are doing a great job in residential aged care. They're just doing their job. They're handing out the medication. But why are there so many residents on so many medications in the first place? And then you're about to share a stat here, Marcus, which is um, is very concerning. Well, this is the one that yeah, over half are exposed to at least one potentially inappropriate medicine, and that is very that is very carefully worded. Potentially mm. inappropriate. Uh, you know, let's say that if we're writing headlines, it could be possibly fatal. Um, but this is potentially inappropriate. The other thing that I find interesting in this conversation is that for all of our listeners, whilst we wait for the Andrews Royal Commission on Residential Aged Care uh, circa 2070, um, that we are looking <laughs> more at uh, the philosophy that as a listener of this podcast, you would really be wise to have the philosophy that you never, ever, ever want to finish up in residential aged care um, based on those statistics. You might say, oh, no, but, you know, my mum's at a really nice one and it's actually really good and all the rest of it. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about how comfortable the bed is and how nice the nurses are and what colour the chairs are and how good the food is. We're talking about Mm. the uh, loss of quality of life through the uh, use of medication, Uh, not just Mm. a little bit. We're not just talking about a Panadol for a headache. This is... um, Mm. Tablet upon tablet, an average of what is it, thirteen or fourteen a day, um, mm. and and some of them for really minuscule symptoms, which is only impacting certain people, like Damo's grandfather waking up in the middle of the night. That is not a medical symptom. That's a man just going to the <laughs> toilet. It's not something that requires <laughs> medication. Uh, otherwise, I know I'd be on about fifty medications right now uh, for all of you know my symptoms of of living. Um, as we all would be, if we wanted to medicate every single symptom of our life, gee whiz, uh, there'd be interactions. What's it called, Damo? Adver- interaction events or whatever they're called. That'd be going yeah, on left, right, events, center. Yeah. Interactions, you know, yeah. So from the, from, the, yeah. from the perspective of 100 Not Out, everything that we've spoken about in 310 episodes is is really guiding listeners to avoid going down that medical path. Now, as I said, doesn't mean that we don't love the people that are in the nursing homes because they're our parents, our grandparents. Um, as we get older, our friends, our family. It's not about that. But whilst you're listening to this, and whilst you've got your quality of life, it should be one of your highest priorities to not go into that model because once you're in the model, you're often stuck in the model, stuck in the mud, as I would say at uh, class one where Darby's playing games every day, play stuck in the mud every day. Well, at the age of 99, they literally are stuck in the mud and it's not the type of mud that comes out of the ground. Yeah. Well, so we're referring to here, I suppose, what's called a cascade of intervention. If you take one drug and you take it for long enough, it's highly likely that you'll take another drug and then another drug and then another drug. And so this cascade of intervention is what we're trying to prevent. So Mm. if you've got to do drugs, do them short term. It's interesting, actually. um, I interviewed this... um, lady on the wellness guys, uh, B. Ismail um, or Mohammed Ismail, and she, was it Mohammed? Definitely B. B. Ismail. Yeah. And she um, speaks about the opioid addiction crisis in Australia. And one of the interesting stats that comes out of the understanding of opioid abuse in Australia is that more people die from prescribed opioids in Australia. What's an example of an opioid? Um, like a brand so, or, or, you know, something that people... Uh, like, 
so the illicit version is heroin, um, and then the non-illicit version would be codeine. Uh, or yeah, morphine, codeine, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, those sorts of drugs. And so those drugs um, kill more people when they're prescribed correctly than if you're on them illicitly, like heroin yeah. um, or methadone. And so heroin, heroin and methadone, um, obviously methadone is the prescribed version from the pharmacy, a cleaner version than the dirty version that you might get on the streets. And and there's less people dying from that stuff than what there is from the prescribed stuff um, in Australia. But the problem appears to be like a war on drugs uh, is to kind of take it off the streets, but that basically just brings it in-house mm-hmm. and so it becomes a, a pharmaceutical company um, issue, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Uh, so. That's, that's really interesting. And so when you look at that, then you, you look at these stats in our community and the community stats are, um, are quite incredible. And this is so sad. You, you go on. Yeah, it is. It is sad. No, you go, mate. I was going to say that, you know, for every – since we're 100 not out, for every 100 people that our listeners know, five of them have had a adverse medication event just in the last half a year. Like, that's – I'm sure. I know people go. Oh, I don't know 100 people. You do. Like if you just look through your phone, or look through your family, or look through there your 20 of them. Just go for a walk down the down the street. Like it's 1.2 million Australians, right? So that's that's five percent of the population. Is that fair? Oh, here you saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So I'm looking at the second yeah. one. So if you just walk yeah, down your sure. street or go into the supermarket, yeah. and that's just in the last six months. We're not talking the last six years. That's just in the last 26 yeah. weeks. You yeah, know, absolutely. Um, yeah. That's just walk down the down the street. I think that's just just off the charts. And then, yeah, the one that you were referring to, Damo, one in five people are suffering an adverse medication reaction at the time they receive a home medicines review. So I feel like that's probably more for the older. That would be. I don't know enough about the home medicines review, but I'm guessing that's more people that are on a number of medications that are having. Well, these are people at home who aren't in a residential aged care facility, so they're yeah. living by themselves independently. They're on a number of medications. They they don't get to their doctor. The doctor comes to them, um, or the the you know the the nurse, the community nurse comes to them, and they do a review. They look at it and they go, oh, okay, that's that's kind of not ideal, or oh yeah, that's kind of working, um, whatever. Um, and then you know maybe do some blood tests as well. But they're saying that one in five people, so twenty percent of people, are suffering adverse medication reaction at the time they receive a home medicines review. So twenty percent. And I just think it's important that we ask, you know, that we ask our, it's important that we know, particularly for our friends and family, like, how's their health and what, what, what are, like, are they on many medications? Like, you know, I want to know what my dad's having. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Not, not, not to be the doctor. I just want to know, um, particularly if something happens that it's not like, I just want to know where he's at. And that's particularly with anyone in the family. It's always just nice to know where your family and your friends are in their level of health, from a level of compassion, but also from a level of, of simple understanding. Um, and I just think it's a responsibility as a friend and a family member. But also, I think it's important to just have a bit of compassion for people when you're in the street that might not be behaving in the way that uh, you would think they would, uh, whether that's um, you know when you're getting a coffee or whether you're at dinner. Because really, based on all of these stats, people could be having serious problems with um, any medications that they're on. I mean, even just the other day, I was at a cafe um, and one of the young team members there um, who's literally only in his early 20s um, felt that he had some type of uh, kidney stones problem and he was just on a raft of painkillers 
Um, and look, it wasn't the environment to really have a big chat about. It was absolutely pumping, but I just, I knew him personally. And it just, it just gave me a level of, I suppose, compassion for any, for want of a better term, subpar performance. I mean, he, he had a brave face and he was working through his own health challenge at the time. Um, but I just think it's important that we recognize that those people are out there, like right now in their millions. And, uh, we need to have some understanding and some compassion for what people are working through. Mm, yeah. Well, you see it every day, Damon. I'm sure you see that every single day. We do. We do. We see it every single day. Um, the last point in the community component of this report, uh, in the executive summary. Now, there's more to read and there's a whole lot of data in there and you can go through and read the whole lot. It's there. It's in the show notes. You can download the report, you know, spread it, you know, far and wide because this is information that everybody needs to know. Because it will affect you at some stage, whether it's, you know, directly or whether it's a family member or a friend or your neighbor, like it's it's going to affect you. So, you know, spread this information because everyone needs to know. It needs mm-hmm. to know it. it says almost one in four older people prescribed medications cleared by the kidneys are prescribed an excessive dose. So 25% of older people, that's 25% of the whole aging population Prescribed medications cleared by the kidneys. So I don't know how yeah, many what does medications that mean? What are does cleared mean? by the kidneys. All oh, right. So the medications are either cleared by the kidneys, which go into the blood and then straight out through the kidneys, um, or they're cleared by the bowels. Um, oh, so, so you either wear it out or you pull it out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. right. Yep, absolutely. Or it comes out through your skin. Yep. So these are all ways in which you can clear um, drugs from the body. But if it goes through the kidneys, um, or it's cleared by the kidneys, or it prescribed an excessive dose, so that leaves that pretty open-ended. You know, it doesn't really say what the impact of that would be, but to me that sounds like that would be putting increased load on the kidneys. Renal um, failure? Is that, a, is that a, a, you know, is that? Yeah, down the track for sure. Particularly for older people. If they've got old kidneys that aren't functioning all that well and they're put under, under duress with a toxic load, um, they're going to stop surely at some point. Wow. Well, they're gonna. Well, there'll be. That'll be one of the interactions. That'll be one of the things that gets picked up down the track. Is oh, your kidneys aren't working well, or your, you know, your kidneys are operating at sixty percent, or your kidneys are operating at thirty percent, or whatever it is. And we often hear that that you know people have been sick for a long period of time and been on medications for a long period of time. Their kidneys are one of the things that actually start to fail, and then there's dialysis involved and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know you need machinery to filter your blood because your kidneys can't do the job anymore. So. I think it's a very, um, again, another very important thing to consider that if you're taking multiple medications and they're cleared by the kidneys, just make sure that you're taking what's called the minimum effective dose. You're not taking just a big dose for the sake of getting an effect. Maybe you might be able to work with your GP, work with your specialist, work with your pharmacist to decrease the quantity of that particular drug to work out what is the minimum effective dose for yep. you and- as opposed to just some arbitrary amount. If I was a listener and I was on medications, based on this report, yeah. the first person I'd actually be going to see is my pharmacist yeah. because what it Absolutely. what it shows me is that the pharmacist is going to be the one to know if there are any medications that I was taking that might be conflicting and creating some form of potentially inappropriate 
um, response. I'm just looking through the report again. Page 18, four in ten older Australians living in the community are prescribed at least one potentially inappropriate medicine. If you think you might be one of those people, go to your pharmacist because this report is putting, is really not saying it overtly, but really what it's demonstrating to me is I'm going to get more um, clarity from my pharmacist than my GP when it comes to the medicine because the medicine uh, particularly if I'm on more than one, is really the domain of the pharmacist. And it's not going to go on the on the um, big pharma companies and it's not on the GP. This is on the pharmacist in terms of this report, regardless of our philosophies. This is really saying that as pharmacists, we need to be aware of everything that's going on here and we actually have a fair level of influence on this. So everyone in the game of pharmacy play a bigger game. And if you went to a pharmacist and they held you down... I'd just be looking for a different pharmacist because really you'd want a pharmacist that is um, very accepting of this report and really wants to do their bit um, to contribute to the positive outcomes that the report suggests. 100%. 100%, mate. There you go. There you go. So, I mean, this report goes into a lot more detail on the statistics, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Just it blows That we haven't mentioned. Yeah, that so, we haven't mentioned. That we haven't mentioned. So take time to read it. But I think, you know, when you consider what do you do then to avoid this sort of problem, you know, if you, we reflect on the last 308 episodes because 309 and 310 um, are related to this particular topic. If we look at the 308 episodes before that, there's clues as to how you avoid these problems. And, and one of those, one of those, I suppose, realisation, uh, well, the realisation for Marcus and I has been that it's movement, engagement, and purpose mm. are the three key things um, out of maybe a top 10, which maybe we should revisit, Pizzi, um, Absolutely. In, in our next episode, uh, of the things that keep you well and keep you aging well. So mm. maybe we can look at that in our next episode. Yep. Sounds good to me. Uh, well, if you'd really like to fast track it, come join us in Ikaria and see it for yourself in action over 10 days uh, living in the village of Nas, September 4 to 13. All the details over at 100notout.com. This is our third 100 Not Out longevity experience. We are on the Greek island of Ikaria, known as the island where people forget to die. All the details at the website, that's 100notout.com, uh, including the application form, highlights, videos, and attendee experiences. Damo, thanks again for your insights, for your wisdom, for digging this out where no <laughs> thanks, major easy. media agencies were willing to go. Yes. You foraged for no. it. You dug it out and we've covered it here um, on 100 Not Out. Many thanks. For more info on Damo, folks, go to DamienChristoph.com to tuck into his forage cereal as we like to do at Pierce HQ, especially on the weekends when all the kids want is cereal for breakfast. They don't want daddy's eggs and greens. They want Damo's forage. They love their paleo and their muesli and their forage bircher. Head on over to ForageCereal.com. For myself, go to MarcusPierce.com.au. Thanks again for your support of the podcast. Give this podcast a five-star rating in the iTunes store. Please share it with a friend. Show them how to listen to podcasts, particularly this one. You'll open up a whole new world for them. Thanks again for your support and continue, as always, to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this Wellness Couch podcast. Did you know we've launched a brand new Facebook group where you can chat about any podcast you like with a tribe of like-minded people? The group is called the Wellness Couch Tribe and it's an inspirational digital meeting place to connect you to like-minded wellness lovers just like you. To locate it and come join us, simply search for the Wellness Couch Tribe wherever you enjoy Facebook.
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.